my friends, is why we're in a series called Me and My Big Mouth, right? How many people know words are important? Words are important. Why don't you use a word, turn to somebody and say, hey, glad you're here this morning. We started our series, Me and My Big Mouth, last week. If you were unable to hear it, if you weren't here, please, you can go on the website you can, uh, and get a chance to listen and catch up on what's going on there. We uh, covered a couple of some very important things and then submitted our mouths to God. And that's where we're going to, um, that's where we're going to pick up today. We're going to pick up with that, those, those three main thoughts that we had last week, that words are wonderful, words reveal our heart, okay? Words reveal our heart. I would reiterate that I personally believe that, that the, one of the most, um, the most telling signs, one of the most... The, the, the greatest witnesses of our growth, of our discipleship, of our uh, increase in following Jesus Christ is, is probably uh, the words, the transitions in the words that we speak, the, th- the what comes out of us. And then we found out that words are powerful. Life and death are in the, the power of the tongue. Words are powerful. And so we, um, we know that it's important then that we focus on words because we all use a lot of words. How many people have talked a lot this week? Amen? Some of you are lying before we even get started, and we're going to talk about that today, all right? Yeah, we use a lot of words, and because of that, we want to we hear what God says about words. We want to hear what the Scripture says and instructs and teach us about how to use our words. So let's jump right in. In Matthew chapter 7... Beginning of verse 17, it says, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good, I mean, a a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. How many people understand this? Okay. Good trees don't bear bad fruit, right? Bad trees don't bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. By the fruit of our mouth, by the things that we speak, it will demonstrate our character. It will show what we are and who we are. So Ephesians chapter 4 goes on and says this. It says, therefore, don't let any, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So God gives us, we talked about it last week, those wonderful words. God gives us wonderful words so that we can speak words that will benefit, that will bless, that will will give us the opportunity to share the gospel, to preach, to all kinds of things God gives us these words for. But we don't want any unwholesome talk coming out of our mouth. The New Living Translation says it like this. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The, uh, the English Standard Version puts it like this, that let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, for building up and for strengthening others. So, so we see it here. We say no unwholesome talk, no foul or abusive talk, no corrupting talk. 
Uh, Strong's Concordance gives this definition about the word that's being used there. It says that let no rotten or putrefied talk, no, no talk that is corrupted in such a way that it's no longer good for use, no worn out words, no, word, no words that have poor quality, no bad words. Anybody, did they, has anybody ever um, experienced having your mouth washed out with soap for using bad words? Uh, I'll bet there was more than one occasion for some of us, right? Uh, bad words. I think we understand what bad words are. It says unfit words, words that are worthless. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 says that we are not only to put aside those type of things, but we are to shun profane and idle babblings because, listen to this, shun them for they will increase to more ungodliness. The things we speak, the things we say, the things that we practice, they're going to increase all the more ungodliness in our lives. So all of this, this foul speaking, this, um, the definition goes on, low and obscene speech, empty discussions, discussions of vain and useless matters. So it's not just, I, I want to stop cussing, or it's, it's those type of things, but it's, it's disciplining our mouth to use it in a productive way so the words that come out of our mouths serve God's purpose in our lives. I, I do think that we want to very, very intentionally Put, put cursing away from our lives. That's one of the things uh, statistics say that 91% of Americans curse each week. I think, wait a minute, how can that be? How can that be when, what, 40% or so of Americans claim to be followers of Jesus Christ? There's, there's a problem here, right? There's, there's, some, there's a breakdown somewhere. I would also go on to say that, that rudeness is some of this, this low, some of this, this speaking that's empty, that just, just being rude. Has anybody heard anybody be rude to somebody this week? Anybody watch any television this week? Anything about any hearings or any governmental stuff this week? I don't want to get real political here, but man, just the, the level of rudeness, right? And the scripture says here that the reason that we want to be careful about these things is because that what we say, you, what you say, you will become. It, it really is. What you say will increase in your, in your life. And I, and I really do believe that, that words are seeds. And, and the things that we speak, we're planting. And we're not just planting in other people's lives. We're planting in our lives, Right? And we can clearly understand and know that whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. Last week when we talked about the fact that a, a man will eat, his life will be sustained by the things that he speaks, this is what it's talking about. That what you speak, what you say, what you sow is what you're going to live. And we want to be sure that we are living things that honor God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 goes on and it says this, and, and, and I want us to, this is kind of where we're going to focus in here this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now you yourselves, you yourselves, who, who's he talking to right there? Go ahead and just say it, put your hand on it. Say me. He's talking to me, right? He says, But now you yourselves are to put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Can I hear a big amen? Amen, amen right? 
Verse uh, goes on and says, this is, says that, that's once how you behaved. The, this is the Passion Translation. says, that's how you behaved at one point in time, characterized by your evil deeds. But now it's time to eliminate them. It's time to eliminate this from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech. It's time to get rid of it. And that's point one of our message today. Eliminate these things. You yourselves, the scripture says, you yourselves are the ones that God empowers to eliminate anything from your life, anything from your life that's going to hurt you, that's going to hinder you, that's going to produce in your life anything but God's very best. So it's time that we, that we, God's people, receive his strength, his power, his spirit into our lives, into our hearts, into our mouths, so that we can speak the things that God wants us to speak. We've already talked about it, right? Words are seeds. Can you imagine the things that you've sown and that people have sown into other people's lives of anger, of hurt, of, 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 of bitterness, of, of pain? Man, and those things will bear a harvest I'm telling you, God wants to give us, the scripture tells us that he is the supplier of seed. He gives us seed to sow so that we can eat and then uh, so that we can sow the seed, we can then get the fruit and we can eat of that fruit for our, for our benefit. I believe that God has given each and every one of us the power to put off every bad and harmful thing. And that power is to the ability to sow seeds into the lives of, of other people and sow seeds into your life that will bring blessing. I especially believe that this is important when we come to the place of family. Family. Now, we're going to talk about a couple of these words here. The first word that he mentioned there is that we need to put off anger, that we need to put off anger. You know what? I am, I've got to tell you, this whole, this whole lesson here today, this whole section of Scripture today is, um, is, it hits me in a very personal way because this was so much of the culture of what I grew up in. There was so much, um, there was so much corrupt talk. There was so much cursing and, and, and hurtful words that were spoken and things that were sown in. And, and so much of it was based just in anger. And, and can I tell you this? I can bear witness of the fact that if you are sowing seeds of anger into other people's lives, that you're gonna that 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 uh, out of your life anger's coming forth, it's gonna impact their lives. It, it's it's gonna have a result that they too will manifest anger. I know that that was one of the things in my life that that this manifestation of anger was so dominant. And, and what I came to find out was that really what anger is is anger is rooted in fear. It really is. It's rooted in fear. Now you think, well, wait a minute. I'm angry. I'm tough. I'm mad. I'm, I'm showing all this. But you know what it is? It's a spirit. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And can I tell you that, that anger is a manifestation that the spirit of fear has come and it has got a hold of your life and it is trying to prophesy and it is trying to direct your life to a place where you're sowing seeds of destruction into your family, into your children, into your spouse, and into your very own heart that will lead you to a place of destruction. Now, the good news is 
we can put it off. The good news is, is we can root fear out of our lives. We have a choice. Now, I know there's people sitting here goes, oh, but Pastor Sam, you don't know me. Man, I've, I've just always been angry, and you know, and that's just who I am. And, and let me say, that may be who you are now, but it's not who you have to be. Yeah, but I'm Irish, and you know how the Irish are, right? We're always upset and mad and about... Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, that's not, that's not what God says, amen? God says you have the ability to put these things off. And can I say this? That if we acknowledge that we are being controlled by something like anger or like fear, then you know what's going to happen? Well, first of all, why would we want to yield control of our lives to anything else but God, Right? I mean, with anger, how many times do we see people that use anger to try to control other people? Okay? Somebody doesn't do what I want, so I'm going to manifest anger to try to control them. I'm going to, I'm going to, and however you display anger, whether it's cussing or yelling or pouting or manipulation or whatever it is, then this, the, the Bible says here what? That, that it, this anger is, is a manifestation of us being controlled by fear. Let me go ahead and give you this tip, and you'll probably hear it in Kairos, but, um, but controlling people try to control people, right? And the only thing, the only person that we've ever been made uh, to be controlled by is God. I mean that today, that God wants to set you free from anger and from wrath. Wrath, wrath is to want to intentionally hurt someone. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this today, but just think back in, in your life where there may have been times where somebody said something or did something in your life and your response was, I want to hurt them. I, I want to hurt them. I want them to be hurt. I want them to, to experience pain like I, uh, like I have experienced. The scripture goes on. It says malice. Now, malice is not only an intention just to hurt a person, okay, but it's to hurt their reputation. I don't want to just hurt them personally. I want to hurt them so that, that they'll be hurt by other people. I want to hurt them in front of other people. These things God is saying we can put out of our lives. How about blasphemy? You know what? For years when I read blasphemy, I always think about just something against God. But this scripture here tells us that, that we need to put blasphemy away from our lives in dealing with people, in dealing with individuals. Do you know what this means? Blasphemy means, uh, blasphemy is speaking against the nature and the character of God. And can I tell you that every person that's ever lived on the face of the earth, the person sitting beside you and in front of you and the person sitting in your chair is created in the image and with the nature and the character of God in them. And so when we start speaking against that nature, against that character, when we start calling people stupid or idiots or, or get put downs about who they are, right? Putting them down. You know what we're really saying? We're saying, I don't value the nature. I don't value the character. I don't value who God's created that person to be. And, and many, many times, this whole issue really is a value proposition. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with people and, man, somebody will come in and there's just anger that's being expressed in the home and maybe, you know, this, somebody comes home, dad comes home and he, he's mad, he's mad from work and he comes in and he throws stuff and cusses and kicks things and just treats everybody with wrath and malice and blasphemous uh, against them. And, and all of a sudden talking to him and say, well, hey, man, 
Let me ask you a question. He goes, well, I, don't, I just don't want to do these things. That's not my intention. It's not my desire. But he says, you know what? I, I, he says, but I just can't control it. And so I asked him, I said, really, you can't control it? So when somebody makes you upset at work, when your boss gets on your back, anybody have a boss get on their back? So, all right, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, right, the, all the time, right, <laughs> or, or, or a parent or fr- whatever, you know, right? That um, I said, well, do you just, do you do the same thing there? Do you start throwing supplies around the store, start kicking things, start cussing? Oh, man, no, I never do that. I, well, why? He goes, well, because I'd lose my job. I said, so what you're saying is you value your job, you value the money you make at your job more than you value your spouse or more than you value your children, more than you value your heritage, more than you value your future, right? Thank you for those big amens there. I appreciate all that. <clears throat> so... And I'm just telling you that any of these things that are present in you, in your family, in your talk to your family, you can be sure that you're going to reap of those things. You're going to reap frustration. You're going to reap rebellion. You're going to reap, um, you're, you're going to reap every, every hellish and demonic thing. You keep sowing this kind of stuff into a family. You keep sowing it into children. And you wonder why they won't want anything to do with God. They won't want anything to do with, uh, with who you are or what you are. I'm just telling you, this is opening a door. It leads families. It leads people to making vows, to developing insecurities, to, to having deep hurts. And how many people know that hurts? It's kind of the open door for, for the enemy to come in and to define why those hurts take place. Wounds are the entry point of strongholds that are developed in our lives. And, and that's why we all need Kairos. <laughs> Amen. We all need Kairos. Now, now, again, don't raise your hand, but, but I, how many people in your hearts have ever been in a situation or you've just, um, where somebody's done something and you go, man, I'll never, I'll never say that. I'll never do that. I'll never act like that. I'll never be that person. I can remember very clearly in my mind, where a time came when one day, standing in our, uh, in our house where we're at now, and stuff was going on, and I was trying to get, um, you know, my point across, and, and uh, whatever that was, and I can remember slamming my hands on the counter, and just kind of erupting, and spewing out this, listen to me, and anger, and stuff, and all of a sudden, I heard these words playing back in my mind when my dad had done something and me saying, I'll never be like my dad. And it's amazing how the enemy comes along and he'll keep trying to goad us. You know, go ahead, do it. Man, that's what you've seen. Man, go ahead, do it. And then after we do it, what that condemnation comes. Can I tell you that God gives us the ability for every one of those strongholds, every one of those roots of fear, everything that's been in our life that's worked something that's other than his goodness in our lives, God gives us the power by the Holy Spirit to root those things out. Can anybody say amen for that today? Hallelujah, right? You don't have to be a person who lives under the control of fear with the manifestations of anger or any of these things or cussing. And listen, I, I know that people, guys, and listen, there's no condemnation in my heart. I promise you there's not any condemnation in my heart. But, but when I think about 
my life and when I think about how that the, the, there were times when I would want to demonstrate how strong and cool or, or just in control I was by using some type of foul language, when I hear it now and when I especially hear it coming from the life of a believer, there's no thoughts of condemnation, but can I tell you what there are thoughts of? <clears throat> there's thoughts of sorrow. There's thoughts of sorrow because in my heart I think, man, there's still something there where they believe that that's bringing them some type of affirmation or some type of strength. And anytime, folks, anytime we look anywhere else other to our amazing, wonderful, incredible, almighty God, Father, in the presence of the Holy Spirit to get anything we need in that area of our lives, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And God doesn't want you to miss it. God doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to get it. Amen? You ready for point two? Here we go. Hallelujah. How many people are glad they came to church today, right? So, <clears throat> all right, point two. You ready? No lying, please. Okay, no lying, please. Colossians, as we go on to the next verse, chapter three says this. After we are to put off all these things, it says, and please do not lie one to another. Do not lie one to another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Uh, we, we all know, we've probably heard the scripture where the Bible talks about it and says that God, there are things that God hates. As a matter of fact, it says it in Proverbs chapter 6, that um, uh, chapter 6, verse 19, there are six things the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that, uh, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in the family. You know what the scripture shows us here? Shows us that three out of the seven things that God hates, right, have to do with our mouths, have to do with words that we speak. And, and two of these very specifically, I, I would say that even sowing discord usually is based in some type of a lie or some type of a selfish personal belief. But, it, but it's showing us, right, that God hates those things. Now listen, he's not saying he hates the people. Amen? Okay? I, I know sometimes we can't understand this, but listen, God can hate the action and still love the person. And the reason that he hates the action is because he understands how harmful it is in our lives. He understands that, that lying will destroy people. He understands that lying destroys nations or families. It destroys communities. And, and in our current context of where we're at in our political world, can I tell you, and I'm not taking anybody's side on something, but I'm telling you this, that, that one lie and somebody else lying to, to straighten out a lie, that two lies is never going to benefit us anything. Because you know what? Where there is lying, where there is deception, there can be no relationship. I, I mean, think about it. In our own lives, when, when we have been at a place where, where we felt that we need to lie, to cover up or lie to, to, um, to get our way or, or lie to protect ourselves. It puts a wall up and, and, and that wall is never going to allow there to be an, a, a real healthy relationship. Uh, I've got to tell you that this is something that God takes seriously. I think that we should take it seriously. Why? Because if we're allowing lying to be a part of who we are, we're allowing hurt and pain, and we're allowing the work of the enemy in our lives. Proverbs chapter 25 says this, verse 18, it says, telling lies, is about, telling lies about others 
is as harmful as hitting them with an axe or wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Who would, who would just say, oh, please, stab me with a sword or, or just hit me with an axe? You know what the scripture is saying here? It's saying that telling lies about people can maim them and it can hurt them and it can kill them. It can change who they are. It can change their lives. It can change the trajectory of their future. And God says, I don't want that. Lying stands in direct contrast with who God is. It stands in contrast to who, who he is. The Bible says God is truth, right? Jesus says, I am truth, right? The truth, we shall know the truth. We've talked about kairos, right? Freedom. We shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free, right? We can be free from lying. Let me tell you this, right? That, that, that lying brings us into bondage. It brings us into slavery. It, it, it captures us. Um, the, the, the Bible tells us this, and I didn't give them this scripture, but the Bible says that the devil is the liar. He is a liar, and that he is the father of liars, okay? Can I tell you that when you and I participate in lying, that we're doing the work of the devil? That you and I, and guys, I've just got to tell you that I say this with all soberness in my heart today because this isn't just something that I did it's something I was. Now, I, I love my family, and a lot's changed over a lot of years in our, in our, our, our family, but I was raised in a house where, where cursing and anger and wrath and, and all that was present often, and it was, when I came to the Lord, I'm telling you, a lot of things in a moment quit, ceased, stopped in my life, but one of the biggest battles I ever had was with my mouth. The battle of getting it. And, and, and even though the cussing went away pretty quickly, can I tell you this? That lying, it, it was so ingrained into who I was and how I acted that, that lying was a, was, it was a real stronghold. It was a protective mechanism that I had learned from my family. And God loved me so much that he would root it. He would just begin to work and to root this out of my life. I mean, how many people know that when you lie, you're just stupid? Is that right? Is that right? I mean, anybody ever lied? Well, the dog ate my homework. Man, I would have had, I would have had to have 46 sets of grandparents to have all the times that I didn't get something done because my grandparent died. I mean, it was just, you know, I just, I mean... <laughs> Do you know what I'm, I'm talking about? Those people that, how, how many people have ever met somebody, don't raise your hand again, met somebody and certainly don't elbow your neighbor, right? Don't do that. Met somebody that if their lips are moving, they're lying. You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm just telling you that this is, this is something, I, and, and I would lie and tell a story and, and about something and had to make something seem better than it was or bigger than it was or to embellish, okay? embellish, rhymes with hellish, let you know that it's a lie, right? And, and I'm telling you, God loved me so, so much that he did two amazing things in my life. And the first one that he did, the first thing that he did, is he brought the most honest, the most black and white, the most, if you don't want to know the truth, you better not ask her person, into my life that I have ever met. And, and, and I do. I honor the integrity. I honor the truthfulness. We've had to work on speaking the truth in love. But I honor the truthfulness. I, I'm telling you, I didn't always 
think that I needed her in my life, especially at the moment I'd be telling the story. And, oh, yeah, man, and then we did this. And she no, that's not what happened. That's what, I'm like, get in the back, woman. What's wrong? Come on. <laughs> Don't you have something to go cook? That's a whole different, that's a whole different story. Hey, hey, hey. That's a, <laughs> that's a whole different story, right? So, but I, I can't <laughs> I can't, I'm serious, you guys. I can't tell you the time, you know, in college, you know, standing around, of course, in college, we're still trying to establish our identity. I I told a parent the other day, they were telling me about something that was going on with their child, and I said, well, how old are they? They said, they're 20. I said, I don't worry, their brains aren't fully formed yet. So I love y'all, love you guys, love you guys, love y'all, so, right? But I'm telling you that, 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 man, just time after time, the Lord would... Uh, how many people have ever heard the expression says, the truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable, right? <laughs> and time after time, man, there would be times when I'd say something and, and then and, and, and eventually Yvette didn't embarrass me right in front of everybody, stand up and go, liar, liar, pants on fire. But uh, she would just come and she goes, no, babe, babe, you said this. I don't remember it that way. Is that true? Oh, no, man. And the temptation, but I'm telling you, the temptation for a liar is to lie about lies. And can I tell you, isn't that the work of the enemy, that what he does is he gets you to believe a core lie, and then he supports it with lies to build a stronghold in your life? And I'm telling you, God says you can put these things away. The second thing that the enemy, uh, that the Lord did, that they felt like the enemy sometimes, that the Lord did, is that he uh, took us to an island and uh, the first place of ministry that we ministered together was a place called Man of War. And these people are British. Their background is British. And um, they were very much literalists. Uh, we had not been at the church very long. And one of the um, pa- people came to me and said, oh, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're our pastor. Because the other pastor, he was a liar. And I went, well, wait a minute. He recommended us to be here. So... We, you know, and what, what is, what, what's going on here? And, and I said, I knew him. I knew him before he was here. And I don't think he's a liar. And I said, well, what, what, tell me about, what do you mean? Oh, one day he's such a liar. He lied from the pulpit, from the holy place. He would lie, tell lies from the, what? Yes, he lied. I said, well, you're going to have to tell me, what did he say? One day he said he caught a fish this big and the fish was only this big. I was like, I don't see much of a difference. You know I mean? It's like, and they're, they're like, oh, such a liar. And I was going, wait a minute. You know what? I'm going to have to be very literal about what I said. And can I tell you that there were times telling a story, oh, the other day, man, we went out and we caught a boatload of fish. Ah, oh, it was only a little 12-foot boat. That's nothing to brag about. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you for, I appreciate your editorials during the message. You know, I mean, right? But God was doing a work in me because he wanted that lying He wanted anything of lying out of my life because as long as there was a tendency to lie, there could never be relationship, true, good, holy, healthy relationship with him or relationship with other people. And I'm honored, and I I say it again, Yvette, thank you so much and thank you to God that I can tell you now that one of the values, one of the things about our families, we just, we're clear about it. We don't lie. We don't tell lies. Fishers don't lie. Amen. 
I mean, that's why there have been times, there have been times when, when that t- tried to creep into some area. And man, I come, we come against it in the name of the Lord. We come against it with, with diligence. We come against it. And, you know, not that I've ever threatened to kill anybody, but uh, we just, man, I'm telling you, it's, lying is like a viper that needs to be driven from our homes, driven from our lives. Amen? Amen. How's everybody doing? You okay? Can you handle one more? You ready? How can you handle, everybody say, come on, give us one more, Pastor. I only heard four people. Come on, Pastor, give us one more, one more. Okay, I'm going to do it in a minute here. You ready? Okay, point three, point three. Fleshly wants, flesh, fleshly wants or spirit needs, all right? Here's the word I want to talk to you about before we close. Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Now, anybody know any sarcastic people here? Okay. You can just take notes on this. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything. Did you know that the Bible says this about sarcasm in Psalm, 57, Psalm 59, verse 7? It says, Behold, they belch out insults with their mouth. Swords of sarcasm, ridicule, slander, and lies are in their lips. For who, they think, hears us? <laughs> it's just me being cool, me being funny. Okay? Do you know what that is? It says that they shoot out swords. Proverbs 26 says this about, it says, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives his neighbor and says, just kidding. Ever had somebody, oh man, you cut somebody down and say something and and jab at them and drop the mic on them and all this other junk, right? And I'm just kidding, just teasing, Right? And I know we've got a pattern of it in the South. We can say anything we want to say about somebody as long as we say, well, bless their heart. Right? So, but can I tell you that as followers of Jesus Christ, what we say, okay, stands before Almighty God. It's spoken before God. Do, do you know what the word sarcasm really means? The word sarcasm is made up of two words. The first word, sarke, which means flesh. The second word is chasm, which literally means to fillet. When you're being sarcastic towards somebody, and I'm not saying you can't have fun and joke and jest, and, but if all you can, can I say this? If all you can do is speak sarcastically about people, there's not something wrong with them. There's something wrong with you. In love, I say that, right? So, but to fillet the flesh, to cut deeply to somebody, to bring a wound into their hearts. Can I take Colossians chapter eight, or chapter three, verse eight says it again. It's time to put these things off. Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-nine. Let no corrupt communication talk, uh, come out, no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Sweet and sour water doesn't come from the same well. Good fruit doesn't come from the tr- a bad tree. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. And God's saying, I want there to be you to know that there's a purpose for your life and a constancy and a consistency that comes forth from your life. And I want to use your mouth and I want to use your life to be a witness to other people. I want you to be an encouragement. I want you to be a blessing. And I want you to be able to to preach the gospel to people that they don't have to go, yeah, I know what you said last week. Again, I'm not trying to be hard and legalistic here, folks, but, but can I tell you, there are needs. What's coming out of the well of our life? What's coming out of the source of our life?
I was in a situation not long ago where I was just flabbergasted. I saw a situation where a where just a, a person who leads in ministry, not here, leads in ministry, man, but they were just some of the expressions, the foul mouth, and it, it, it's grievous. I, I know it was grieving to my heart, and all of a sudden I thought, man, what does it do to the heart of the Father? See, God's got a better plan for us. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says this, gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs chapter 16 says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Can I tell you that you can rebuke somebody, you can correct somebody, you can discipline somebody, you can do it in love. You don't have to be mean, you don't have to be angry to do that, to bring correction to somebody's life. How many people know that's truth today? We don't have to, that's how God does it. Man, I love it when God, when I do something wrong and God just comes and he puts his arm around me, he says, hey son. That's not the way we do it. That's not who you are. So I was worshiping, kneeling here, worshiping today. The Lord just gently prodded me. He said, oh, I'm so glad to hear you worshiping me and praising me specifically, specifically like this. He, he says, you know what? Because you really don't do it enough in your private times. And it wasn't a, wasn't a push away. It was a pull and says, oh, I want more. I want more of it from you. I want more of it with you. I want more of it with you. So today, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, to me, about our mouths, about your tongue, and about your words. So let me ask, leave with just a couple of questions. Number one, does God commend you? Does he pat you on the back for leaving others in better shape because of your words? Or does he say to you today that you need to get a grip on your tongue and stop speaking in a way that puts others down and harms others? When you leave a room or a conversation, do you leave it with a sweet fragrance of Jesus lingering behind or just a gratitude from everybody that you're gone? Do people remember you for your kind words that you left behind? Are you known as one who leaves a sweet taste in people's mouth every time you leave a conversation? Is that, is that what people would say about you? Is that what your friends would say about you? So, so here's three things I want us to do. Okay, one, just shut your eyes. Okay, for a second, just I've got to tell you, I've had to do this. Man, it's it's been painful over the last. I'll tell you, over the last couple of weeks in preparing for this message, just thoughts of words that have spoken in times when there's been things that should not come out of a son of God pain that's been brought into the lives of others because of words and, and I repented I'm just asking you do you need to repent this morning do you need to repent do you need to ask God to forgive you to cleanse you if so just right now I want you to just say Holy Spirit forgive me for words of anger forgive me for painful words for corrupt words for profane words Forgive me, God, for the times when the tongue, the mouth that you've blessed me with, I've used for anything less than blessing others with. Second, <clears throat> commit to walk in love and in truth by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I surrender my mouth to you today. God, take my mouth, take my tongue, take my lips, take my words, and let them be used by you, Holy Spirit. 
to bless and to build up and to strengthen and to empower others to accomplish your purposes in your kingdom and for your glory. And thirdly, can I give you this word? Would you seek accountability about your words? Not, not just accountability, but, but I encourage you to also to, to seek correction. Ask somebody, ask a friend, ask a family member. Ask somebody you work with, somebody you go to school with. Do my words, do they, do they encourage you? Do they bless you? Do they strengthen you? Do they build you up? Do they, do they provoke you to a closer walk and relationship with Jesus Christ? Man, I want that to be a reality in who we are, in all we say, in all we do. Amen? Amen.